And so the person who ends up catching him is the Alpha, Blaze. And so they kind of have it out for a second. Reed doesn't have his balasarda because <laughs> Lou, in, in her recent craze, threw it into a living tree that absorbed it. Naturally. And, yep. I and I thought you were so, going to say ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> which isn't that entirely true. on... Which isn't entirely incorrect. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome back, everyone. We are in bed with books. I'm Melissa. And I'm Bethany. And this week, we are going to be discussing the sequel to Serpent and Dove, Blood and Honey by Shelby Mahurin. Yeah, we, I had just first thoughts. I had a really hard time getting through the book. It was rocky. It felt, you know, just kind of like, I felt like we were taking one step forward, five steps back, like throughout. So, but that being said, I feel like it still delivered and it still oh, had like yeah. it still like gave me questions and it's kind of like you have to go through the difficult moments mm-hmm. <laughs> to f- to feel like the pleasures later like i really felt that that with Lou and Reed because yeah. their relationship was really tumultuous in this book they had a lot of tensions and issues and well they're being real with each other it's like i 100 percent agree with you because yeah. their tension wasn't oh does he like me does she like me back it was like real problems yeah yeah and there was something kind of stressful about reading exactly that. exactly it was really stressful that's a really good way of saying it because i was just like okay <laughs> but then yeah. i remember reading the afterword and it was like the author was like i had a real hard time with this book and she said she had some what do I want to call it like it like dredged up some personal stuff it almost seems like yeah she said she had like panic attacks and like nightmares and and I I can feel it in the book like it was really dark it was really scary especially the series you always feel like they're gonna lose everything at any moment like it, yeah. The, the hopelessness is there. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, and so I feel like they're just sur- surviving by a thread constantly. Like, mm-hmm. so it is, it is a bit of a rough uphill, but don't. <laughs> We're still like, we, we both still love still it. Love <laughs> yes. this book. Yeah. But it, it was just a rough going. Yeah. I, and I and I don't I guess I don't want to emphasize that too much because there were a lot of really good things about it and just kind of generally that was kind of my experience reading it. Um, so you have Lou, and we spoke about this kind of in the last episode where she's really kind of reckless, and we just thought, oh, like it's her like it's her, survival, it's her way of yeah surviving, and she's had to sur- survive her whole life, and so. The recklessness was just kind of the excuse for that, right? And her, like, kind of living on the streets and not really having anyone. And then in this book, it just starts to kind of... Her descent, (laughs) like, to darkness, essentially. Like, in, like, really 
varying ways and she doesn't seem to have a lot of self-awareness about it and Mm -hmm. that's something I think we were talking and we realized that she didn't really have that in the last book right like she didn't really have a lot of self-awareness because she's always been surviving and growing I think she I mean she's still young she's still learning and I'm kind of excited about the next book to see if they address that yeah Um, I I think in the first book because it's so much about her personally getting by and and living is that it's not read quite as like Mm self-destructive because it's it is about Mm -hmm, self-preservation but this time around her repeated defense of these actions is that she'd do anything to protect the people that she loves but what ends up happening by that is she becomes very Mm self-destructive it's definitely recurring theme throughout it something she continuously tries to defend to herself and to read and to coco yeah and i think mm, sorry no no go ahead it it affects a lot of her relationships essentially especially hers with reed um and as i was reading the book i remember being like is so we can kind of jump into reed so reed has emotional constipation (laughs) yeah in coco's words um he is struggling because he has been essentially dropped into this world of thieves and outlaws and witches. Which is funny because in book one, we're in Reed's world. So he has the upper hand over Lou. Right. But this time around, it's the other, the tables have turned a little bit. Like we have to watch Reed be the less powerful one. Yeah, the one that doesn't, yeah, the one that can't protect Mm -hmm. so he is almost reliant on Lou for protection because he rejects his magic he doesn't really want Lou to use magic and yet he's afraid of leaving Lou like getting separated with Lou because there's a point in the plot where they might have to do that and there's a sense of helplessness right yeah and I do think like there's a strong theme of Reed rejecting magic having kind of a disgust about it and everyone just kind of trying to get him to calm down and just like accept that part of himself and i have a hard time with that with what with everyone's insistence on him accepting it because he used magic so we know at the very least he's not entirely adverse to it anymore Mm -hmm. but they kind of just want him to drop his entire life of learning. And so it's not so much that I'm bothered that they want him to use magic, but that they can't seem to like be empathetic to the fact that it's not going to happen overnight. Well, but he's, he's like openly rejecting it. If like they, if they all use it, he's just like, he's just like a little baby. Like, he's just like, like, you know, like he, I feel like they're just kind of like, whatever, but eventually, because I think too, like the magic comes out, like kind of without your knowledge. So it's like, it's, it's not so much, oh, he needs to like learn magic. He needs to accept that that's who, that's what's in him. Yeah. Um, I just don't think it's going to happen overnight. No, it's not going to happen overnight. Not that I agree with his responses or anything, but like. He wouldn't be there with them still. He wouldn't be helping them the way he is 
if he fully disapproved, he's just not ready for it. Like he's trying. Well, I guess I guess I don't know if I should say trying, but the book does start to go through. He's kind of tested more than once on how yeah. to to navigate this, and he doesn't reject it the times that he has to. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think the book just kind of starts that going real hard at first. So Lou and Reed's, Reed's relationship begins to get hairy because chapters that are his point of view, it's a bit confusing to tell if where he's watching Lou do magic, if that's his own disgust or if that's Lou actually losing a little bit of control and mm-hmm. her magic because there seems to be something going on there which we're still confused about and they still have yeah. to answer which is we're like get into that. we're gonna get into that so that's kind of there's tensions building between reed and lou and all that jazz <laughs> <laughs> well because there is they, they they kind of build up the issue with Lou and how much of this is her recklessness, how much of this is some outside force. And so it doesn't make his his difficulty around magic any easier, which mm-hmm. is starting to create issues in the relationship, basically. Right. So there's the scene where they, they're like in the forest and they can't have sex and it's really cute. <laughs> so there's like that. Close to his mom. Yeah. And she's like, you can't leave because it's not safe and Morgane will find you. So they like sneak out at dawn or something to go naturally. To, yeah. To go to the <laughs> river and it's like snowing and it's winter and I don't know how they're not freezing. Um, oh no, uh, Lou uses her magic to keep the water warm for them. Yeah. And then I think you said that they tried to have sex and they didn't, but I think that they did. They just didn't tell us about it. Like we I came mean, in afterwards. Maybe it it's not clear. Like, <laughs> it seems like they were like getting to it when the chasseur showed up like yeah. he realizes like they're like they're like starting to get intimate and then he's like wait we're outside of like my mother's protection and yeah. i just heard something yeah D- yeah so the chaucers come and they have to hide under the water lou uses her magic to both allow them to breathe underwater and for reed to hear the chaucers speaking so that they know when to come up yeah she still has the heat going too in the pond yeah yeah so she's using a lot of magic to like keep them safe and yeah protected and not dead and not dead um and then he starts to feel her struggling and i can't exactly remember what happens i think they they end up coming up and reed kills one of the chaucers and lou is like almost dead and so he uses his magic again and it's kind of a interesting thing because like the, I think it's like the next chapter. It just starts with Lou rehabilitating him or something like, or yeah, a lack of a better word. Um, she's like so angry like him. yeah, yeah, and she's like really angry at him that he risked his life because he was literally almost dead, because um, he like almost froze to death. So froze to death. So she had to like heat him up, and yeah, she gets really angry at him. Which is funny because she did this, just did the same thing. <laughs> it was the same exact thing. I'm pretty sure because like one of the consistent things that she's kind of trying to push at him about the magic is if he's going to keep using it, he needs to know how to use it right. Yeah. But she knew she was overextending herself and she did it otherwise. Well, I can un- I can also understand her frustration that he oh, won't yeah. like try and learn because it's like, if, yeah. she's like, if we, if you were able to like help me, you know, yeah. it's like. 
he's kind of a liability. Oh, 100%. But, like, don't get mad at him for risking his life when you literally just did that. That was exactly what you just did. Yeah. And that just kind of goes back to her not knowing or not recognizing her own recklessness. Mm -hmm. So they get back and Coco is trying to contact her coven, the blood, the Dom's Rouges and La Voisson and keeps getting rejected. And I think, let's see. Well, they kind of realize that they're going to have to work a little bit faster once once they kind of contend with how long, t- how much time has actually passed. So they go to that pub. Oh, yeah, they go I to the pub. they're kind of like recon. Yeah. They want to know what the when the funeral of the archbishop is going to take yes, place. Yes, because I totally forgot this. Morgane keeps leaving them notes. Oh, yes. I forgot about this. We did and not so, put this in our notes. <laughs> yeah, so like, there was like the riddle and they're like, oh, I know what this is. This is the funeral, which right. turns out not to be the funeral. But... When that's why they have to go out and do recon because they're like, we have a lot less time than we thought we had. Right. So they have to figure out when the funeral is. Mm-hmm. And this is another example. So in the pub scene, they're in disguise and there's this group of farmers and Lou starts just acting like one of them. Yeah. And they start to realize that she is Lou. The one who's <laughs> the, wanted. The one that's wanted. Is wanted now. <laughs> yes. And so war breaks out. I remember reading it, and this is kind of the first, I I think this is the first time we start to see Lou kind of getting out of hand a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. It's Reed's point of view, and of course, she's like trying to like fight all of these people. And Reed, I guess, is just sitting there, or also, but I don't know, like, I don't know what he's doing, but it's, so it's Reed's point of view, and he's watching her like fight and also teach him like how to use magic in like a fight and she's just throwing jokes like she's just it's yeah. like this lighthearted thing but then she does this move where um one of the guys throws a dagger at her and she uses the wind around her to like shoot it back at him mm-hmm. and like suffocates herself essentially <laughs> like yeah so like, she's like <laughs> she's dying like... again in, like two chapters after Right, and I think in the last episode we were like, is this just her not having trained enough in magic to, like, get better? But Mm -hmm. I think it's just, it's just dangerous. And there's this moment where Reed says, she grinned to herself then, wider and wider until she was cackling. Blood trickled down her chin from her mouth. I just remember that, reading that and being like, that's new. Yeah. Like, we haven't seen that yet. Like Every time we get her fighting other than this scene it's been from her point of view and you can feel like her fear and her hesitance at using Mm -hmm. some of these tactics like when she was when we talked about her killing andre and grew in the last episode right she had to struggle with that like she tried to not kill them yeah but this time that's true she's really really into it yeah at least on the outside yeah she enjoys it it becomes an enjoyment then I think, to as a reader, you're also like, is this Reed just looking at her using magic? Because the last book, he she wasn't using magic mm-hmm. in front of him at all, really. And so this book, I was just kind of like, is this, like, because we're seeing more of Reed's point of view. Yeah. And I'm like, is this Reed's, like, disgust? Which I think is a really, is really clever 
on the author's part because you have to kind of figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Because he compares her to like Jezebel or something like something biblical, you know? Yeah, obviously. Jezebel incarnate. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Crazy. But then there's this gentleman that's in the pub. His name is Claude Devereaux. Oh, uh, uh, Claude. <laughs> oh, oh, Claude. <laughs> um, and the father she always needed. Yes. And he's yeah. like, I, n- I didn't make this connection, but he lights the whiskey, which is the same that she does. Yep. Later. Okay. We'll get there. We'll get so there. He, yep. he lights the whiskey at the bar and to kind of distract. And so then they're able to escape. It's clearly not his first time doing something like this. Yeah. And Lou was all about it. She was like, that's cool. Um, And then there's this interesting scene, which I think is important, where Lou is kind of unconscious and she she's kind of coming to and she can hear Reed and Coco talking and deliberating about her. Yeah. And Reed says she's not been herself. um, And Coco kind of agrees so Lou is con- conscious, but she's not letting on and she can hear them talking. So it's Lou's point of view. And Reed is expressing his concerns about her behavior. Coco is also, but she's also kind of defending Lou at the end. So like Lou's like, yeah, listen, Reed. <laughs> and then Coco says something that's like, yeah, she maybe she's not been herself. And then that starts... I think the defensiveness in Lou. Yeah. Cause in this book, we learn just how similar Coco and Lou's upbringings were. Mm-hmm. And so in some sense, her defense of Lou is also based on the fact that she understands what it's like to be raised to have this like grand purpose that you don't want. Cause she's the one that's like supposed to succeed her, her aunt, La Boisson. Yes. And so I think Coco recognizes the shift that might be happening in Lou Mm -hmm. as she realizes that, like, she doesn't have to fight it alone. And so I think she's kind of, at first, she's writing off some of that misbehavior because she doesn't want to believe it, I think. Yeah, I agree. Because it does show us, at least, that not all of it is Reed being scared of magic. Yeah, no, for sure. Exactly. And I think when it comes down to it, like as a reader like you kind of realize oh coco sees it too okay yeah i think her shift is influencing his opinion of magic more so than like his opinion of magic influencing his view of her shift well put yes that's exactly it Um, thank you you're welcome i love positive reinforcement i'll i'll (laughs) i'll I'll give you all the props for that one that summation so they have to kind go ahead Oh, also, so still kind of in the pub scene for a moment. When we were in book one, we got everything from the uh, Chaucer's point of view, Mm -hmm. because that's where 90% of the plot took place. But when they enter the pub, the farmers that they hear talking are complaining because they've had like an infestation of like, it's either like pixies or fairies or like some small sprite kind of sprite-like creature. Uh-huh. And they're actually complaining because the Chaucers had come and killed a bunch of them. But instead of it solving the problem, all it had done had caused like the local other sprite-like creatures to retaliate. 
And so the farmers are talking about how they're going to have to find a way to work with them instead. So that way they can have their farms. And they're like, if the chasseurs ever find out, screw them. Like, they call them pigs. Like, Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so he's getting a taste for what it's really like out in the real world where you can't just kill the magic thing and everything goes back to normal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You don't just go back to your tower afterwards. You go back to your sprite-infested farm and it's still all bad. Yeah. And so I think him having to confront the reality of what his, like, institution has done to the land is really, really prominent yes. for him, yeah. for, like, his storyline, for his point of view for this throughout this book. Yeah, so so that he can kind of shift in to the right direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the the plan then is to get to the funeral, but they need reinforcements, right? They need yeah. the werewolves. They are going to try La Voisin. So that's when they decide that the only safe place for Reed, Bo, and Madame Labelle is the troop de fortune which is like this kind of gay group of like thieves and like witches theaters and... and like a mix and they don't really let on that, that any of them are witches or have magic but it's just because they're supposed to be like incognito with that yeah. but it's kind of this like alternative bubble so reed goes with them and then coco ansel and it's like Lord of the Rings when everyone gets split up into their different yeah. factions. There is no more fellowship. And it's just, just <laughs> the ring has torn us apart. Um, Lou, Coco, and Ansel go to the Blood Witches. And that is really intense because they're just kind of living in poverty. Oh, like they're, yeah. They're pretty rough going it's, and like it's sad. sad it's sad because like they're all like dying off and stuff. And La Voisson is, like, super intense. I kind of wanted her to be, like, good. Because she was super Same. badass. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, like, she can be a badass villain. Because she's just super cool. I liked her. Like, I liked yeah. how fucking intense she was. And Nicolene is just a little crazy ghoul. Like. Fucking weird. Yeah. She's fucking crazy. So... Lou and Coco, in exchange for the Blood Witch's help in defeating Morgaine, is Etienne is a member of the coven that has gone missing. And so they need to go find him. So when they when they show up, at first her aunt is just not receptive whatsoever. And so I guess a spoiler alert for the very end, so we can kind of lead up to this, is that in the very, very last scene, La Boisson and Nicolina poison and kind of, like, possess Lou. Mm -hmm. And looking back at this earlier scene when we're actually meeting them, it feels almost too obvious that this betrayal would have happened because La Boisson kind of puts Lou and Coco in the situation where they're going to find Etienne's body in the encampment they like send her out and they're like if you can find the body by morning we've already yeah. accepted his death and so they're seeing the first rays of sunshine so she knows that her her time is her time is almost up 
But that's when Lou sees different threads. So she usually talks about her threads being like golden. Mm-hmm. But she sees the other threads. Well, and then she knows that it's Morgane's influence because it's utter chaos. Like, she yeah. just remembers, like, she can't, like, find the thread. Well, maybe she doesn't know that it's Morgane, but, um, but she, she knows that it's She something. sees other color threads. Yeah. And I think she's intrigued by that. But then she remembers, oh, like, more, this could be Morgane because... It's super chaotic and she can't find her own threads and that's not good. So, um, but she finds one. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, so she sees all these new threads and it almost feels like a test. Like the Mm -hmm. test wasn't finding Etienne's body, but the test was seeing if she could. Right. If if she could pull up those threads to see it. And so this kind of leads into the question of, what is making Lou go bad? Yeah. It feels like this influence from her mother, but not necessarily like an active influence from her. Mm. Because we talked about like Reed and Coco recognize the changes that are happening for Lou. Yeah. But then Madame LaBelle talks to Reed at one point and says she's going to go bad. That's just what happens. Yeah. And mentions the way that her mother shifted. And, and turned that way after she became Madame Blanche and after she started leading the coven and everything. And so it almost feels like they're testing if Lou can access that power as well. Like the power itself is like some kind of separate entity from yeah. Morgane. Yeah. It's definitely like a rising question. Because yes. we're like, is this Morgane just trying to like influence Lou? Is this what magic is capable of? Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I think we can agree that it's not Lou. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So what happens, though, is that the Blood Witches do a funeral for Etienne. And it's actually a very intense, harrowing scene. There's some witches that go missing that are taken by Morgane. Yeah, little girl. Because she was a descendant of the king. Because, you know, Morgane's after the... The she's King's decided not descendants. to just wait for Lou. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, Reed is being... Oh, shit. What's the word? Groomed. <laughs> <laughs> Reed is being groomed to be, like, the dagger man. The It's because he is such a good shot when he throws daggers. That's... Like, <laughs> such... in... In true, like, troop fashion, they aren't able to travel with them unless they can offer some kind of show for when they go to different cities. And so this is another time when they kind of push push Bo down a few pegs because he ends up just doing their banking. He does the math for them. (laughs) So they just shit on him a little bit. (laughs) I didn't even realize that. That's funny. But yeah, they're... What is... Oh, God. What is... uh, Devereaux say when they're setting up uh when they're setting up Reed's act. Yeah, so he got so Devereaux's trying to like groom Reed into like the dagger guy. I just, like I feel like there's an actual like name for that. But the dagger thrower and I fucking remember like messaging you this and you were like, What? And I was like, This is actually what it says in the book. And Devereaux's like, three fingered red. It takes three fingers to perform, yes. <laughs> And I was just like, oh, that's so, 
<laughs> lovely and sexual. Um, <laughs> so he was like, no, and I think they call him something else. So what they end up calling him is the Red Death. The Red Death, yes. Because he's got red hair and all that. Yeah, and then they put him in all those red clothes. Not a shirt. No, no shirt. That was, that was... That was an important fact. That was an important yeah. part. And he, like, felt so exposed and everything. It was cute. <laughs> to be fair, it's the middle of winter. It's, yeah. like, mid-January by this point. So I'd also probably feel a bit exposed. Yeah. A little bit of what's going on before that, though. Like, he's pretty hostile to Madame LaBelle, I think, for, like, giving him up and all that stuff. And her, she is kind of on his case about accepting magic. But it's like you're never gonna you're never going to accept that from when your mom says it, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like when your mom calls you beautiful, you're like, thanks, you have to. <laughs> yeah, you have to say that. And then, but, but also he he risked his life to save her at the end of the last. Yeah, book. yeah. So he could say all the shit he wants. She's not gonna believe it. Yeah, exactly. And then he's kind of warming up to Bo because he realizes he's related to Bo, and he asks about his sisters, Victoire and Violet. It's kind of sweet because he's, like, kind of trying to find who his family is. Yeah. You know, because he he's an orphan, as far as he knew. Mm-hmm. And so him and Bo, they kind of have a bud thing going on. And then I think there's there's a point when they're working up towards, like, the perf- a performance. And then he's like, well, who's going to be on the board? And, and Claude's just like, oh, never you mind. Like, don't worry about it. And then, like... It's like this grand reveal, like at the performance, that it's Lou and she's back and she's on the board. So like she's so much more into it from like the get go. Yeah. And at first he's kind of annoyed that they would put him in that position because what is he supposed to do now? Just walk over there and untie her and say no, he can't do that. And so he does it and he gets into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's this back and forth that happens too where... It, it was kind of weird because I was like, why are you talking about this on stage? But I think it was a way for them to get angry. Yeah, 100%. Because we know they're terrible at that. Yeah. And then at the very the very last throw, he like slices a little bit of her cheek, like skims her cheek. And I think there's a genuine like, fuck, dude. Like, what are you doing? But also, hmm, <laughs> like, you know, like, I, yeah, she was caught well, off guard. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, part of it is because he's gotten so used to doing this with his mom that he knows how to time it right. And I don't think he's mad entirely that he nicks her, but he is kind of surprised. He's like, oh, shit, that could have been bad. Yeah. But we're fighting, and so... Yeah. So that's a fun scene. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It seems like the first time that they get a real emotional release in a while, but Mm -hmm. it still feels kind of stunted. Yeah, because they've been uh, separated for a bit. Yeah. And then there's also there's also like kind of after the the after show um where they're like band it it starts off as like flirtatious banter and then it gets like serious. Real. Yeah. Yeah. Like and they kind of have like a spat and they're really angry and I can't exactly remember what it's about but and I remember too like they're still kind of touching each other. Like, you know, like, he'll put his hand around her and they'll, like, kiss. And that's what I really love about their relationship in this book is that that's how real relationships are. Is, like, when you're with someone and, yeah, like, you might not be agreeing with something at the moment. At the end of the day, like, you're still in that relationship. And I feel like even though they're a new relationship, 
they've still committed to each other. They're married or oh, whatever, yeah. but not really married, but married. I feel like that commitment's there and that understanding's there. There's just a couple of other things that are just like really... They're just not quite on the same page. They're not on the same page about, and Mm -hmm. they have to kind of navigate that. And it affects their physicality because they're not really sleeping together when they reunite. Like they don't really Mm -hmm. have that chance, I think. But also it's, it's actually spoken about. I think someone Claude or something says like it's affecting your relationship physically and, Mm -hmm. you know, emotionally. Um, so wise grandpa. Yeah. Granddaddy Devereaux. Mm-hmm. Um, the next step in their plan then is to try to get the werewolves. Because I think at this point they've convinced La Boisson, more or less. And Devereaux and his motley crew have decided to partially help them at least. The only problem with going to the werewolves is that Reed killed the Alpha's son. Yeah, back when he was a Chaucer, back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which is conveniently left out of all of the conversations. So this becomes a point for Reed when he really has to contend with his influence when he was part of the Chaucers. Mm-hmm. I think it really, really shows his character as well. Because what ends up happening is that they decide to claim like their werewolf rule, a, a life for life. So they basically, they're like, if you can run from us and you can make it to the town, you can live. But if we catch you, we kill you. And so the person who ends up catching him is the Alpha, Blaze. And so they kind of have it out for a second. Reed doesn't have his balasarda because (laughs) in, in her recent craze, threw it into a living tree that absorbed it. Naturally. And... Yep. I and I thought you were so, going to say ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> which isn't that entirely too. un which isn't Lewis entirely incorrect. <laughs> yeah. So he's weaponless and he really has to just confront this kind of specter from his past head on and Blaze gets it out of his system but only because in the meantime that Reed has been running from them the Chaucers have attacked their home base where Blaze's new children are, the rest of Lou and their crew is, so they all have to run back to try to protect them because they can hear something happening, right? Well, and then Lou freezes the swamp. And she freezes the wolves in place and, like, breaks their legs. Mm-hmm. Terrence, the son of the alpha. The youngest, Yeah. Yeah. And then there's that moment where Coco and uh, Bo are, like, trying to convince her to, like, stop and, like, let it go. Like, you're not your mother. You're not your mother. And she just can't hear it. She, she does eventually. Us- she yeah, she she's... responds to the you're not your mother. Yeah. yeah. I think she, like, puts up ice walls. Because, like, John Luke has taken up the captain position. Because, naturally, he wants everything that Reed had. So he's trying to also take Lou. I think... It's not just so much that Lou is who she is, but Jean-Luc is also driven by the fact that if he takes this from Reed as well, then he'll have, like, fully won whatever Mm -hmm. rivalry he's built up in his head. Right. Which this whole scene does not work out for him whatsoever. He's not that person. No. 
And so he loses his Belisarda because she gives it to Reed. Yeah, she takes it and is like, here you go, to Reed. Yeah, she thinks it's a genuine move. I think you said this earlier, but he feels very awkward about it after having just had that conversation with Blaze. Yeah. Because he was confronted with the, like, the the reality of what that Belisarda stood for. Right, so he... Lou gives him the Belisarda that was Jean-Luc's. And not only was it not his Belisarda, but Reed feels awkward about it and it and doesn't want to really accept it, but does out of, like, politeness because mm-hmm. Lou is really just trying to make up for that mistake. Um, yeah. But also, he had kind of a conversation with Blaze that they're not just wolves. Like, they're not just animals and that they're people. And realizing that his behavior as Chaucer's wasn't at all good. And yeah. I think he's kind of starting to see that structure disassemble. Or should say that structure kind of crumble. And he is not as... Obviously, yeah, it's not his Belisarda, but it's also like... Yeah, I think he's just starting to kind of see the Chaucer's for what they were. And it's mm-hmm. important because it's also like witches are also people. And you can't just kill, right? And then, and the sprites and the gnomes. Like, you can't just, like, kill magical things and then it goes away. Yeah, 100%. I think this scene is also really important in showing us firsthand those other mystical, fantastical creatures because Mm -hmm. all we've experienced so far have been witches A and witches B. So what, en- what ends up happening in the scene is that Reed saves Terrence when Lou gets out of hand. Yes, he saves his life. He gives him blood and honey. Yes, and so in fa- in, in light of that, Blaze says that the life for a life has been paid because you saved my son's life this right. time. And then Terrence says that might have paid your debt, but now I owe him mm-hmm. my life. Oh, and yeah. And so he honors that part of them. And so they end up getting the werewolves on their side because the werewolves are like honorable people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really refreshing to see because I had been kind of worried, I guess, by the per- the portrayal of magic in their world. Like it it felt like it was getting heavily demonized. Mm. Particularly because the the biggest way that we're experiencing it especially in this book is through more games. descent. And so I think it was really important for us as readers to see that that wasn't the case, to really emphasize to how selfish the witches are being in their pursuit yeah, yeah. against, in this crusade that they've con- like conceived against the church and against Lou and against the other covens. But just like the the church and the tower and all of that, they're so blinded to the reality of the others living around them. Yeah, and I think Reed is learning this about the magical um peoples that it's mm-hmm. not all bad and so are we like yeah. we're, we get to see past just the witches we get to yeah. see like that there's there's honor which lines up with reed's <laughs> dogma you know yeah 100%. i feel like i feel like that was like a good like exchange between him and blaze in that way yes he was ready to die for what he'd mm-hmm. done Mm-hmm. So that was huge. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So what's next then? So, so we're we going to talk about the sex scene, the the emotional release, and then the sexual release. Yes, the one sex scene. 
Yes. So, well, there's that conversation in the costume shop. Mm-hmm. So they all kind of get into the city for the funeral, and they're at this inn that the Chaucers won't find. And we're talking about everyone. And this is was a moment of the book where I was like, there's so many people, and I don't know who they are, and they're all being named, and they're all <laughs> saying things, and I'm like, who is this? So I had to, like, make a list. So you have, like, the three wolves. Werewolves. You have Lavoisan and Nicolina and Ismay from the Blood Witches. And then you have the Troop de Fortune and that clan. So then they're all they're all at the inn now. But Lou and Reed had trouble getting into the city. Yeah. So they're kind of in the alleyways. And they find Manon. Reed wants to intervene. Or I think Lou does. Lou wants to intervene, but Reed, like, stops her. Um, because Manon is in the middle of, like, murdering her lover, who they find out is a descendant of the king. So yeah. she's like, I would rather murder you than you get captured by Morgaine, and God knows what happening to you happens to you. So then you see a Dame's Blanche, mm-hmm. like, actually kind of dissenting in her own way. But also, like, it was a really interesting scene where... Lou looks at Manon and she has like hopelessness, just utter hopelessness in her eyes. Her hand is swimming in her lover's blood to find the dagger. Mm -hmm. And she says, Lou, run, run as far as you can before, you know, Morgane finds you. We see just how far the coven's been dragged into this. Because before in in the first book, it was very much revolving around just Lou. Like they saw just Lou as the solution to their problems. And I think on some level, they've realized that that's no longer an easy fix. And so mm-hmm. they're having to get their hands really dirty now. And they're having to, yeah, they're gonna having to confront the bullshit that was just going to happen yeah. with Lou's death. The stakes are getting higher, for sure. And they, they run and they hide in this costume shop. And this is when yeah. the moment happens where they hash it all out, like all of these tensions that... Lou and Reed have been, like, experiencing, like, kind of come out. And it really felt to me like those spats that you have with your friends or your yeah. lovers or whatever, where you're, you, you walk away feeling like shit. Like, you're just, like, you feel alone. You want to cry. You're angry. You said the wrong things. They said the wrong things. And it's just, like, there's so many, cro- like, crossfires of like thing of like um what am I trying to say there's so many like emotional crossfires that are like getting away from what's actually going on yeah like like, really personal and they're not talking about the actual issues because she has that line where she's like see I'm right he's wrong I feel good about what I just said but what she said was also terrible yeah and she and and, and it and it comes back to haunt her a bit. Yeah. But she's still, like, holding her ground. And this is where, like, the self-awareness isn't coming through yet. Mm-hmm. She's just kind of being really selfish. Um, and she and with, like, those, like, dark voices in her head telling her she's always going to be alone. Mm-hmm. And that's also, like, it's very real. And it's very hard to read and see how far, I guess, they've come since... At the ball, they talked about how they're going to actually commit to each other. Right. And now she thinks that just because they had their first real fight, it's all over, you know? 
Yeah. What's happening here is, and what's happening in those moments when you have these spats, right, is like you are getting in the way of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely happening with her, which is like her greatest fear of just being like rejected is getting mixed up with his denial of magic, which is true to an extent, but she's not able to see that they are separate things completely. She's just making it about herself. And what he really just needs like kind of a mother, like he needs someone to kind of hold his hand through all this and like show him that magic can be good. And she's, completely distracted and kind of dis- descending in her magic a bit. Yeah, she's that like, she look, it really can be great. Him. Let me suffocate myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, teachable moment, she says. Yeah. Um. <laughs> she's not being that convincing. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. There was that moment, too, that we haven't talked about was this, I called it the smackdown, <laughs> where they're in the forest and they're on their way to the werewolves. And yes. and then and what did you call it like a, a power struggle I guess well it's just like a lot of heat relationship and almost sexual tension because I think like so Lou wants to show Reed how to fight and that no, Lou, Lou Lou wants to show Ansel how to fight Ansel is insisting on learning how to fight and as we've learned from some of Reed's internal stuff is that Ansel was never much of a physical person. There was very low chances of him actually making it into the Chaucers. He was was more of a learner, which which we see with his character real quick, which we see with his character. Okay, which we see with his character that he it's okay, which we see. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm not the one who's editing this. Which we see with his character at other points in the book, which he he kind of ignores. It's really hard to watch because he's so convinced he has to be the strong person. Mm -hmm. But what this leads to is the smackdown because she doesn't want to hurt Ansel. So to teach him to fight, she's going to kind of show him with Reed. Yeah. So there's this moment. It's kind of a back and forth scene a bit, but I think they make a deal where if... Lou wins, Reed has to learn how to fight with magic and will commit mm-hmm. to it. If Reed wins, Lou will not use magic, which is asking a lot. It is for both of them, but yeah. also so confident on his part that she's yeah. going to play fair. Yeah. Like, isn't it the, the classic, like, she feigns that she's more hurt than she is, and he's like, oh shit, and then she overtakes him? Yeah, it's like classic like girl like crying to get her way kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, which I'm not above. The guys, yeah, too. yeah, because the guys don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, so Lou just kind of, essentially, just says like nothing is off the table. Mm-hmm. Whereas Reed, Reed fights with honor, and has like respect for his opponent and all this. She's just like nope. Yeah. Um, so she kicks his ass. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and I can't. Re- uh, I'm probably getting it all mixed up, but there is a moment. It might be, might have been before the SmackDown. Like in the first book, there's a moment when a mm-hmm. witch like seduces a man, um, and she does that with him, and then she realizes that he she smells different. 
Uh, she extended her arms to me in supplication, and I felt myself step forward, felt myself bury my face in her hair, but she smelled wrong, all wrong, like smoke and fur and something else, something sharp. It pierced through the haze in my mind. Embrace me, Reed. Embrace this. You don't have to be afraid. Let me show you how powerful you can be. Let me show you how weak you are. Too sharp, sickly sweet, burning. This isn't you. That's twice you've used magic to control me, I said quietly. Never do it again, do you understand? Never. You're being dramatic. You're out of control. So, like, this is them expressing their worst fears because she doesn't want to be out of, like, she does not want to be told she's out of control, that she's her mother. Mm -hmm. And he is trying to navigate what magic is and she's doing a shit job at it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it shouldn't even be... Okay, so let's pretend it's not magic for a second and she's controlling him some other way. It's still a violation. Absolutely. He's not being over dramatic whatsoever. Absolutely. And so her dismissiveness of that was a serious red flag for me. Yeah, absolutely. And she's just kind of like not showing him that magic can do good things. Mm-hmm. So bad. So, But also this is like point c or d where he says that she smells different like the magic smells Mm. different there's definitely something beyond just the normal magic of the land or the ancestors that's going on here Mm -hmm. yeah and i would just i wish i had more of coco's perspective on this because Mm -hmm. she's the only one that's a witch that's not crazy yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know like because it's like is and that's why and that's why this book's so interesting is like is this just read like Mm -hmm. so yeah in the costume shop they just kind of really don't hold back and reed reaffirms his concern with her behavior being a bit out of control Mm -hmm. um you've not been yourself and it and she just gets defensive and hurt about it and says stop being a little boy like grow up yeah and so they leave and separate they go back to the inn Lou, Lou has this like kind of coming to Jesus moment on the roof, which I felt was lacking. I just kind of wanted her to like, you needed something like to bounce off of her, like change in perspective. Do you know what I mean? Like she needed to see something in someone else or something. And I think Claude was there to help her. He kind of like holds her hand and walks her there. Yeah, it felt, it felt a little kind of bandaged up mm-hmm. her, her shift so she comes back like all changed and feeling like she said and did the wrong thing but I feel like after, for so long yeah like after like talking about it now and just realizing how kind of shitty she has dealt with all of this like I didn't feel like that was a a proper coming to Jesus yeah it needed to be like at the very last scene or something <laughs> where she like confessed or something like did kind of a gesture she needed, to, she needed to see a little bit more clearly where she was going wrong. And I don't feel like she saw that, at, at least at this point. Yeah, it wasn't like she needed to like talk to Coco and Ansel or something. Mm-hmm. And then because they're the ones that are like watching this all unfold. Like, yeah. But they're having their own problems at this they point. They are too. too. They are. <laughs> they're out of commission. <laughs> but yeah, so I think at some point, the series of events this seems like such a disorganized like plot to like get more gain but they 
have their makeup sex, essentially, yeah. which isn't really makeup sex. It's more just like whispering sweet nothings. <laughs> <laughs> and then crying about your dead adoptive father. Yeah, so so they watch the funeral from the inn and Lou and Reed are in the in their bedroom and finally kind of have privacy together. And Reed kind of has like an unraveling and breakdown of emotional breakdown. And I thought it was really sweet. And I guess to lose credit, I really enjoyed the part at the end of that chapter where, you know, he's he's crying and he's breaking down and trying to like process all of it that he killed his father. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, Lou's trying to kind of figure out like, how do you like comfort that when you like someone who's killed their father but their father was kind of an ass it's also kind of her blood father and she kind of has like this weird connection to that as Mm -hmm. well and then he's she is finally seeing where he's coming from in terms of like what this man meant to him as in being the Chaucers as growing up in that world however hollow and shallow the archbishop was he still was the only father he had he'd ever had and at the end of the chapter she holds him as he's crying and says you killed your father and it was just like yeah i don't know i just felt like it's like when someone just states the truth yeah and that's it and you just have to kind of be like yep she's gotten very good at diverting away from emotional conversations and so i feel like that was something that had just continually gone unsaid between them that he was right bothered by them not recognizing and so even like the the previous argument that they're getting over at this point part of the reason she's convinced herself that she's so right and these very personal attacks are okay to say is because they're also protecting her from having the real conversation yeah. Which is an emotional one that she doesn't want to have. Yes. And so she's able to look at that more clearly. I just found the parallel because she needs to kill her mother. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then, like, if Reed can do it, she can fucking do she it. She can fucking do it. Yeah. This bitch, that bitch is doing way worse. <laughs> way worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. That, that just never occurred to me till now. Um, then they have sex. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Nothing, to, Cute. nothing to write home about, but it was sweet. I just don't remember anything that happened. <laughs> yeah, same. It does. So the sex scene isn't quite as saucy as the, their first time, mm-hmm. but it's definitely two people who love each other coming back together kind of sex. And it was appropriate for the circumstances. Yes. I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't the time to kind of be saucy. Yeah. That'd be um, awkward next yeah. to your adopted. It would father. be out of place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But then this leads into the yeah plan. The plan hopefully so, falling into place. Yeah, but <laughs> the plan which doesn't happen because they're like Morgan. They thought Morgan was going to be at the funeral. She's not. So then they're like, "What do we do?" So here we are, and we have a couple people from all these different places that have like beefs with each other. So you have, like, the werewolves, Blaze, Oleana, and Terrence. And then you have the blood witches, the Voisson, Nicolina, and Ismay. And then you have the Troupe de Fortune, who are just kind of there. Like, they're not... They don't um, even rent it out of place. Like- yeah, they're not at odds with anyone. It's just the blood witches and the werewolves that have beef. 
there it's just a tense room <laughs> yeah and uh there's a moment when like i think the werewolves are like deciding whether to stay or not and they're kind of arguing about what to do and lavoison kind of erupts a fight with the werewolves like she just kind of says something and then they all like start fighting lou then intervenes and back to like the whole like lighting whiskey on fire that claude did she lights the whiskey on fire on the bar and like while terence and coco are going at it together and she accidentally burns coco but in that process she is like cackling yeah it's like she i think it even takes her a minute to realize that she's lit coco on fire yeah yeah every time she has these moments where she does magic and it doesn't end well she kind of loses her sense of agency mm-hmm. like that when she freezes the swamp that was she, real bad she, she like coco had to kind of like shake her a bit like be like come back come back and this was kind of the same thing so that's like new and i don't think and we can say like there's these new smells she's not having agency she's seeing other threads like there's definitely things going on there what well, meanwhile Nicolina's just like laughing her ass off she thinks it's yeah. fun and she's fucking <laughs> <laughs> they're like they've been eating way too many hearts <laughs> like, yeah. that was at the point of the book when I was like this is getting dark like what is going on she just like mm-hmm. burnt cocoa it was really sad she's losing her shit yeah but where's where's Reed in all of this well let me tell you he is <laughs> Reed is upstairs crying? LaBelle no Reed LaBelle it's like like I said, it's the two towers. Yeah, he's upstairs crying. Um, it's the two towers because Reed, LaBelle, and Bo try and go and get the king's help with, yeah. like, Morgaine. And does not end well. But it was something that needed to happen for Reed's sake because... So Bo approaches the king. The king essentially rejects him publicly. Um, they get captured and are in the dungeons being tortured by the king and there is this moment when I was like oh yeah because so Madame LaBelle is like tied up Reed is tied up and being like beat and like Bo's kind of in the corner like the salvageable child's like but he's not able to like move Um, they're like we have to keep you down here but we also can't touch you without dying yeah because you are the firstborn still (laughs) and uh, I love this part where I can't remember what the king asks him but he asks him a question and Reed is like a grin rose unbidden and I heard Lou's voice in my head even then trapped backstage with two of her mortal enemies she'd been fearless or perhaps stupid either way she hadn't known how right she was I believe I gasped when a man and a witch love each other very much like he kind of turns into <laughs> Lou like he's just yeah. like cracking jokes and amidst like this like terror <laughs> And just, like, this was an important scene because he's realizing his dad's a dick. His real dad. Yeah, well, because... I mean, his biological He had spent this dad. whole book getting close to Bo. And Bo keeps trying to kind of put up a wall. Not in a mean way, but in a way where he's like, you don't get what he's like. You're right. reaching for somebody who's not real. Right. And so Bo enjoys his friendship. Clearly he does. Because he is he is worried about Madame LaBelle and Bo once he realizes that the tides turn in that conversation. Yeah. But I think on, in some ways he's realizing also that he doesn't need that fatherly figure. Like, he's cut that last tie. Yeah. He doesn't want the king as a father at that point. 
it feels kind of like that last straw kind of it breaks and you're just like well it's all shit anyway and you laugh yeah yeah he's just like there's no there's no reason for me to be angry anymore i i don't have any room left for it yeah only jokes exactly yeah it was like the straw that broke the camel's back yep my dad's mm-hmm. a dick but also madame labelle was pretty freaked out too because like oh, she was heartbroken august was like like shoving his wife away mm-hmm. and like just being like really violent and she was just and labelle was just like you're not who i fell in love with because she ev- evidently had hope that yeah. he would help them and so i don't know how long she it's been since they've spoken but he's definitely a different person now mm-hmm. so or they escape a different side of him yeah she's seeing a different side of him yeah exactly but they're able to escape because victoire and violet like <laughs> <laughs> like con the guards it was really cute they take a lot of pride in that yeah they do, they do. um so they get out and then they come back so it's like all of these like little trips in the course of like 20 pages or something in just like a few hours yeah yeah exactly so lou gets the last note from morgan right at this point they realize like oh we're idiots it's not the funeral it's the after party basically in the catacombs and so there is an entrance to the catacombs in the inn that they're staying at and while everyone's making a plan lou decides to run off without them because she doesn't want to put any of her friends in danger yeah and so this is like point one of this is that lou's recklessness at this point is no longer borderline self-destructive it just like is yeah but she like magically locks the door to the catacombs and so Mm -hmm. everyone's freaking out thinking like where's the closest entrance where's the closest entrance Ansel, you stay here and he gets so insulted and that's Mm -hmm. fair because he wants to go save Lou and save Celie like the rest of them. But then Ansel is the only one that figures out that the door was only locked for Reed. Yeah. And this is something that he like develops like he's not going to be like physically able to defend or fight as much. But he is working out the way magic works. So mm-hmm. he's he has the theory down. Yep. And so he was able to realize that. Lou doesn't have enough... Lou wouldn't use that much magic to make sure no one can get down. Just read. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so he's the first one to catch up to Lou. And she's even surprised. She's like, how did you figure it out? And he's like, it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah. Which is so adorable. Yeah. Which yeah. obviously makes his death so much more painful. Yes. Well, and then there's that Harry Henderson moment where she was like, you're not a good friend. Like, I don't like go, you. Lassie, go. go. <laughs> yeah, go, Harry. No, go home. I don't love you. <laughs> and just, he's just like crying and it's really fucking sad. But then but he, he just sticks leave. around anyways. Yep. He yeah. just sticks around. Oh, oh God. <laughs> so eventually they do make it into the catacombs. But at this point, they've got Jean-Luc with them, actually. Right, the gang. Not Lou and Ansel, but the the rest of the yeah. gang eventually follow. Yes. And true. Jean-Luc is there because of Celie. Yes. And I think that's interesting because at first it seems very much like he's just doing this to get everything that Reed ever had. But 
to some degree, he must also really like Celie if he was willing to work with witches, werewolves, yeah. and Reed in order to help save her. Yeah. And so I think there's even a few more chasseurs who show up who help them when it comes to the actual like battle in the main, I guess, oubliette that they end up in. Yeah, the masquerade or whatever. Yeah. That was visually really cool, actually. Yeah. Like um, when they said, so they go, when they go to the masquerade and it's just like this big room and just the floor gives way and goes down. Mm-hmm. So Morgane just kind of shows up in this like arena, like the bottom of this arena almost, which yeah. I thought was like really cool because you kind of always just expect that they're like going to come out from some balcony or something like, <laughs> or like fly into the window. But it was just yeah. like, no, like, or like, I literally thought this too was like, there's like some kind of dais or like yeah. stage or something that elevates you above everyone else. And this was like the opposite, which was kind of cool. So it was like, she's very, she's descended. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So once they all end up in the arena fighting Morgane with Lou and all that, Morgane realizes that she's losing. So we find out what Mm -hmm. we, we loosely find out what Devereaux really is. He's at this point, we can probably assume a God. Yeah. And he straight up tells Morgane, like, the gods are not supporting her anymore. Mm. She's lost their their favor. Yeah. And so that was a big turning point in, I think, the, the ever-present question of how moral is magic in this universe? Mm. Because they didn't say that they don't support magic, obviously. They said that they don't support Morgane. That's when she gets a little ruthless again. She's seeing the ends of her her road there a little bit. Yeah. And that's why she kills Ansel, our angel. Angel Ansel. Yep. And she yeah. Was, it's not like they were fighting. He just happened to be standing next to the door that she decided to run out of. Yeah. And that was something, and that was the reason why Lou didn't want him to come was because another thing that's brought up with Coco's magic is that she can kind of foretell so mm-hmm. she just like tastes Lou's blood and yeah. can tell her something that will happen and that was that she would lose someone she loved and it would be a man yeah so that's why she locked Reed out from coming into the catacombs but then Ansel follows so that that's a funny thing so they were, they were all deliberating Coco was giving her like vision or whatever mm-hmm. and Ansel doesn't come up at all and then when he yeah. does you're like fuck it's him you're like, yep. you know, like, and I was just like, yep. damn it, damn it. Like, as soon as he tells her how he figured it out, she's like, oh, I love this kid. And then she's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Not like, read. Like Ansel's like, can I go? And then you're like, God damn it. You know, it's, you, then you know, it's him and he's going to come and it's going to ruin everything. Ugh. So, yeah, I think, uh. That really sucked. We really lost a soul there. I'm kind of, I was kind of like, well, it is a, it is a magical world. Like, what if, like, they, I like, can bring so. him back? <laughs> There's always that hope, right? <laughs> I think going back to Lou's emotional constipation as well, because mm-hmm. she's just as emotionally constipated. Oh, yeah. She just covers it with jokes instead of brooding and Bible verses. <laughs> um. 
is if she'd have just looked him in the eye and said, it wasn't Reed that Coco was talking about. It was you. I need you to get out of here. Ansel might have listened. Yeah, that's true. If she'd have just been honest about how he, she felt about him. I don't think he was in the room. I think it was like something like that. But that's, it was that's all... fair. But even then, like, if she'd have tried to do the opposite of what yeah. she did, yeah. which she can't do because she doesn't know how to be intimate and vulnerable like that. Yeah, exactly. So they, the catacombs are kind of falling apart, and I think that's Devereaux's fault, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And so we catch up afterwards back at the inn, and they're kind of giving Lou a moment alone to contend with what's just gone down and everything. And Lavoisson and Nicolina come up and they're talking to her and she says something about like she would do anything to take down her mom at this point. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of look at each other and they take that as a yes and then possess her. Right. And it's quite an ending plot twist because it's a very short chapter that leads to that. And then we get like, I think a page and a half, maybe three pages max of of Reed's point of view. Yeah. It was like, we're already confused about what's happening with Lou. And now like all of that's taken out of the equation and she's just going to be possessed for the next book. Yes. But immediately he knows something's wrong. So she walks into the room yes. and he gets back and he says his goodbyes to Celie and to Jean-Lou kind of gives them his blessing, gives them back the balasarda that she stole from him. And he turns around once Lou's re-entering the room and she's coming in for a kiss, I think it is. Mm. And he's kind of like, he you can tell that he's hesitant, that he can feel something's wrong. Yeah, because she's like happy and like, hi. And like, we they just, they're all like sitting around the table grieving about Ansel. Yeah. It was like And weird. so clearly, yeah. whichever one of the two is kind of in control of Lou at this point mm -hmm. is not... <laughs> Not doing a good job of not being doing incognito. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting, like, segue it's, into the next book. Yeah, especially, like you said, because there's so many questions around her power and kind of what's happening to her morally and mm -hmm. mentally with this descent that she's going through. But now she just has to deal with the fact that she's no longer in control of her body either. And so it feels almost like once again, the table mm. are turning. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm glad that they were able to like make up mm -hmm. in time for this because I think Reed will be going into the third book knowing that something's up. I mean, we already yes. kind of see that in the very, very last scene can have, it'll be interesting what they do with the point of views. So I do follow Shelby Maharin on Instagram and in a recent Q&A, she mentioned that Lou's chapters are very much like sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. So I am interested in reading those. I'm excited for when we get those books. We need to talk about Coco and we need to talk about Devereaux a bit. Yes. Because they're going to be playing bigger parts in the next book, I have a feeling. So. so I think we focus definitely a lot more on Lou and Reed kind of going yeah. through that. Because obviously they're the main characters. But I think we should touch on Coco a little bit more. Who yeah, works because... kind of as a foil against Lou. Yeah, because they're kind of on the same playing field at the beginning of book one. 
they're kind of these estranged witches from their coven. Lou is essentially a princess, but not really because she, Morgane just wants to murder her. Um, but she is, she is the daughter of the Ladam sorceress. And not much is said about Coco. Maybe they touch on the fact that she's related to the head witch of the Blood Coven. I'm not sure, but this one we get to we get to see firsthand in the Blood Coven, inside. And so we kind of get to know Coco's like relation, the fact that she's the princess, the respect that she holds, the concern that Lavoisan has with Coco taking over, because yeah. she's not really been part of the Coven, and a lot of them. Sh- like share a lot of resentment with that the coven the blood coven itself is very resentful of coco for taking off and not being a part of the coven and what i love about coco and lou's relationship is that the only witches we see may maybe save madame labelle are just power hungry crazy like witches (laughs) and that's what that's where Coco and Luke come from. And yet we don't see that in them at all. Like they're not crazy power hungry witches. Um, and so what I'm excited to kind of see is that maybe like Coco and Luke can kind of build and extract change in their covens eventually when they take, like, I'm excited to see where that goes. And also inviting men into the coven because we realize yeah. men have power now Men power. Men have magic now. So, like, and even Ansel, like, I kind of was hoping, like, he'd just be like some cool wizard or something. <laughs> like, so like it he. would. Yeah, he's like trying to be like, well, isn't it possible that like my mom was a witch too? Yeah, yeah, he like, really oh, wanted it. Ansel, you sweet summer child. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think too, like the kind of the recklessness and chaos like you kind of see where Lou is coming from (laughs) because of the environment that she's been raised in like of just this chaos and that's why I'm like I want to see more of Coco because it it just seems like she's kind of like a side character but it seems like she could play a big role in this new world Mm -hmm. and so I'd like to see more of her but let's talk about granddaddy Devereaux because oh my gosh he's been like such an amazing, like, warm, fun, whimsical character that just kind of saved the day. <laughs> he just yeah, kind of, like, kicked, he just kind of kicked Morgane in the butt and just, like, she, like, flew out kind of thing. Like, get yeah. out of here. Like, he was just, like, kind of, he's just, like, like he, the such positive, like, it's not that big of a deal guy because you're like, oh, but he's probably a god, so. He verbally and then, like, physically defeated her. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I love how immediately he takes their little group under his wing Mm -hmm. because they definitely needed the guidance. Yeah. Because Madame LaBelle was kind of lacking in that regard. She had too many like prejudices with things. And she also is kind of worried about reasonably worried about repairing her relationship with her son. Yeah. Yeah. She's kind of, her views are kind of clouded in that respect. Devereaux can come in as this almost mediator yeah and be like look i don't really know any of you but i can tell you you're being stupid yeah and so what i like is that so you have madame labelle who's just like reed you have a choice you don't have to choose her like her fate is her fate is glued to 
more gain. Like it's, she's going yeah. to become her or she's going to die and you don't want to be with that. And so, yes, there's like that concern for him as her son, but then she, in an effort to get him to use magic, almost gets them killed when the bandits yeah. come. And she's like, she's like, yeah, she's just like, I'm not going to use magic because Reed will, I have to put Reed in that situation. And so that kind of just like shit on like any kind of motherly love. (laughs) Like it's also not the right time. No, because they're surrounded by bandits. Unless he can suddenly do very, very good magic. Someone's going to die. Yeah. Like I kind of, obviously I think Reed, both Reed and the reader are like losing respect for LaBelle a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Devereaux comes in as like this alternative for guidance. I think LaBelle could go through another kind of character shift after the heartbreak with the King. That's true. Yeah. Because I think so much of her stuff was just assuming that or not assuming, but I think there was like a level of hope that she'd just get her family back together. She'd be the new headmistress again. Yeah. And she'd just have her like dandy little family running around her. Yeah. But I think so Devereaux comes on the scene and he's a huge positive influence on Reed. Yeah. Um easing into his magic. Not only Devereaux, but Theory and Toulouse. So that's something we haven't really, we hadn't really touched on, but was really key in like Reed's um, acceptance of his magic. Yeah. Um, Because there's a point when Devereaux says to Reed, like you have recently suffered a rather traumatic event. (laughs) Yes. So thank you because Lou hasn't seen that. Um, (laughs) But it's also Devereaux recognizing that that's what opened up the, his ability to use magic because that's what Theory and Toulouse went through in order to use their magic. Mm-hmm. They yes, weren't able so, to before the tongue situation. Yes. So Theory and Toulouse actually give Reed, like shared their experience with it. And this is something that we felt fell short in Lou's story right like Lou didn't get that and so that's why we didn't really feel completely redeemed she didn't feel completely redeemed she's like magic is great I'm gonna light this bar on fire but Theory and Toulouse are like in their tent whenever the the troop stops they're showing people cute fantasies and they're giving money to the poor and he's like oh I guess you can use magic for these nice things to make people feel right. better. Yes. And I really, I just really loved what Devereaux told him too. So it's like, you're getting it from like two different, you know, like from different places. He says, you're in desperate need of platonic companionship. Your forefather is gone. Your brotherhood has abandoned you. Your self-loathing has cleaved a physical and emotional cleft between you and your wife. More important is it has cleaved a cleft within yourself. I do know you don't know yourself. I know you cannot know another until you do. I know you need to wake up, young man, lest you leave this world without finding that which you truly seek. And what's that? Connection. And I thought that was like the God moment we all needed. Like, yeah, (laughs) that's the crux of the book. Like, yeah, he sees Reed 
in a way that the others haven't been able to yet. Because he sees Reed after the Brotherhood never, and after all of that. And so he just gets Reed as a person who's recently rejected that lifestyle. And so he doesn't have to contend with that image of him really either. And I think that helps a little bit. Yeah. For him, Reed is just this lost little boy. Yeah. And I'm hoping Devereaux is just going to be around forever um, for Lou and Reed. Like he's the, he's what we've all been waiting for. Oh God. Yeah. In the catacombs, his show of power against Morgaine was a turning point for us as the readers in terms of who has the power because she's been like three steps ahead of them the entire time. She knew they would assume it was the funeral by the way she was wording it. And then she would reveal at the very end what it really was. Right. But then when she sees that they have this powerful being on their side, the tides have turned. And it's almost like that's probably what partially instigated the possession of Lou. Mm-hmm. Because they had to step up their game. Yeah. Well, and you had a really interesting theory that maybe like Le Voisant and Nicolina are actually just trying to get Lou and that group on their side to defeat Morgaine and then also have control over both covens. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the issue here is that once Lou kills Morgaine, she takes control of the coven. But if they already have control of Lou, when that happens, they've got control of the coven, which means they'll have both of them. Yeah. They can reclaim their lands because La Dame Rouge, their group claims that they've lived there longer and that their lifestyle pre-exists La Dame Blanche. Yeah, their dynasty was like more, lived there longer and deserves it more. And that's why they're dying. Yeah, so they're qualm isn't just with the church their qualm is with the other coven just yeah if not like in a bigger way than with the church yeah closing thoughts on a scale I- of one to ten what do you think is the likelihood that we'll get to see Ansel again <laughs> <laughs> i feel like he wasn't really given a big role it's such a strong lou and reed narrative that mm-hmm. You kind of want there to be a gang. There's so many people, but you rarely really hear from Ansel Coco. Like there was just that that kind of like thing that they had where like Coco and Ansel kissed and then Ansel like, or Coco was like, I'm sorry, it didn't work. I don't love you, but I just wanted to try. And then like Ansel gets like immediately after the kiss. Yeah. Immediately. She's like, nope, (laughs) you're still my my little bro. And I think there's like a little bit of like inner group drama and heartbreak. But really, it doesn't really feel like you know what's going on with Coco. You know what's going on with Ansel. You know what's going... Like, it's all just kind of mostly about Lou and Reed. Yeah. Um, I feel like we could see him again. It just... It felt so abrupt that I feel like they... Like, Mahern could drive that knife in a little bit deeper for us. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it'll be, like, him, him. But we'll see some kind of formation of him. Yeah. I feel like we didn't talk about many happy things. But like you said at the beginning, it wasn't exactly a happy book. It was constantly realizing that they were out of time, constantly realizing they had no idea what was going on, near-death experiences, romantic infighting between everybody. Um, Everybody. Because 
Relational tension, not in the good way. Like, yeah. Like, everyone except for Reed wants to screw Coco. <laughs> but I think it also really sums up the kind of chaos that Morgane mm-hmm. weaves when she's doing her bullshit. Yeah. If it had been more structured, I don't know that I would have taken Morgane to, as a serious threat. Yeah. And so yeah. I think as as frustrating as it can be at times, it's meant to be frustrating. It's meant to show you how hopeless sometimes it can feel yeah. and how, because I remember thinking like, how do they just know it's the funeral? And it's a very real situation for them to have been wrong about that. Like there's no reason they had to be right about that guess. They right. had everything else right. So, because Reed is like, I've studied the Don Blanche my entire life. I know what Morgane's gonna do. And he was right in that it was a spectacle. They took advantage of the event and they were, she was using innocence. But they were just wrong about the actual event that it took place at. Yeah. And so there's so many times when it's a very real response to this kind of hidden threat. Yeah. I'm excited to see, aside from the fact that she's possessed, in the next book, I'm excited to see where we go with the fact that her powers are being corrupted somehow, that she's being corrupted somehow. Mm. And kind of like an explanation for that. Yeah, it just kind of added another complication, another layer by like her being possessed. Then we don't even really get to know what her base magic has been doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm, I'm really, I'm also, can I say this? Very excited to see Reed grow in to being a witch. Yes. Like I am ready for it. He's going to be the one that saves Lou. Oh God. Yeah. I'm also excited because Devereaux had mentioned his sister or like whatever is like the God equivalent of his sister who supposedly used to support Morgane. Right. And so I'm excited to see where that goes or like the gods in general turning their backs on her. Yeah. I feel like when I first saw the cover of Gods and Monsters, like when I saw that that was like the title, I was like, you see, at least when I read the first book, the third one, like you could see what it was. Mm -hmm. And you're like, shit, there's gods. Like you just, it was like a next level thing. So then the end of Blended Honey, you actually see that like, oh, there's like really old magic that it's like the Mm -hmm. gods. And so I'm kind of excited to see that, that like other layer of like the world and the universe of magic and powers that be <laughs> yes yeah yeah and it seems a lot more positive from what we see from Devereaux. Yeah. like it's not this like looming shit show that morgaine has made it yeah but especially after reading the first one where it seems very black and white point blank just like the church versus pagans kind of uh-huh and when you read a book like that, you come into it with a lot of preconceptions. Yeah. Because we're coming from a predominantly Christian culture. Yeah, it's definitely based on real life. Yeah. In that way. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that they've now also emphasized the presence of other gods, I really enjoy because it's also saying that that's real you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah like they're not just right working out of nothing there's another i guess you could say pantheon that they're 
dedicating themselves to that we just haven't experienced yet. Yeah, I'm excited to see that kind of show show its face. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've talked this sad book to the pulp, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but we're excited for the next book. We will be sh- uh, sharing that with you next week. Meanwhile, you can find us on Instagram at inbedwithbooks underscore and uh, see what we've been up to, see what our uh, season is looking like. We have the whole season up. If you check our highlights, you can see everything that we're going to be reading. So join us next week and happy reading. Happy reading. Bye. Bye. Why do we always wave? (laughs) I don't know. It's just natural. I know. I almost ended the call. You were like, like, bye, get out of here. Which, which yeah. we see with his character, real quick. Which we see with his character. Yes, okay. Which we see with his character that he. It's okay. Which we see with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm not the one who's editing this. <laughs>